We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. My name is Jari Bolander. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Stay tuned to the end of the interview, as usual, where I'll give you some actionable insights that I learned from my guest. These insights are also in the show notes. As always, all of the show notes are over at theentrepreneurethos.com. I also appreciate everyone for listening, so thanks for that. Thanks for the ratings and reviews. Thanks for the retweets. Thanks for the emails. Thanks for, well, everything. Now, on to my guest for today, Ryan Warner, a communications professor, founder of Professional Presentation Services, and author of the forthcoming book, The Effective Presenter, The Winning Formula for Business Presentations. Ryan's pitch to me was so good, I used it as an example in a webinar I had on pitching. So I knew he was someone I needed to have on the show. And I share that pitch actually in the show. I actually read it. It's really cool. Ryan's interest in understanding how to better communicate is rooted with his own feelings of frustration when he was a kid with not being understood. He went on to study and try to understand the principles of effective communications, earning a PhD and becoming a professor. While visiting friends who had founded a startup, he helped them prepare their presentation for potential investors. From there, the ball got rolling as he realized he had valuable insights to offer. He now offers his services helping entrepreneurs and professionals prepare better presentations. His research and findings are put into that forthcoming book, The Effective Presenter, which everyone should go buy. Ryan walks us through the keys to preparing and delivering presentations. Listen to this episode if you want to find out how you can prepare a more effective presentation, be it for a potential investor or for colleagues at the office. Now, let's get better together. Ryan Warner, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for coming on because I think I told you before, actually noted you back after your awesome pitch on matchmaker.fm. 
I used your pitch in a class on crafting your perfect pitch as the absolute gold standard for how to pitch a host because it had everything in it that was good. And it was like under 82 words or 82 words, which is shockingly hard for some people to do. I don't know why Mm -hmm. on matchmaker. If you're not on it, I love matchmaker. That's where I get a lot of my guests. Anything more than about 82 words, hundred words, you have to scroll horrible. (laughs) So don't nobody ever do that. And if you want to look at the one of a good profile, look at look at Ryan's profile. It's a little short, but A plus. So I appreciate you being on the show. Um, you you're a professor of communications. You've written a book called The Effective Presenter. You got a consulting gig. You got all this, the cool stuff. But uh, before we kind of dig into all that and why communications is so important, why don't you uh, tell us how you got to do what you're doing today? Sure. Yeah, sure thing. So I think it, I hate to say it all, it all started back, but, but I think it did when I was a child, it started, I, I realized uh, two things. I realized that I wanted to become a better communicator. I realized I, I was frustrated that some of my messages weren't getting through and weren't landing, weren't being received the way I wanted them to. And I knew I needed to take matters into my own hands and, and kind of level up my own communication. And then at the same time, even though I had a, I struggled when I was young trying to convey myself properly, uh, at the same time, I, I knew that I had a passion for, for helping folks. And, and I know it sounds generic. Everyone says everyone helps, I guess, in their own way. But my way was I was, I was really great at explaining at, at breaking down processes and, and getting through to people and helping them to, to learn and understand and ultimately kind of empowering them to achieve their own success. So I, I, yeah, from a young age, I I knew that. And I set out to research and learn more to develop that skill set, And that led me into uh, education initially became a, I was a teacher and then worked my way up to a professor. And then, yeah, after that, it just organically kind of, I was on vacation in, in the Bay area near you and a few friends of mine out there had startup companies and they were pitching for investment. They were, I think in series B or series C. And they were, we were just around a table just discussing. And I was just a bystander. I was just like an observer, just you know, hanging out along for the ride. And I just happened to make a couple suggestions based off the research that I had done in, in professional communication and business communication. And yeah, it, it picked up. They were really uh, receptive to it. And they incorporated my, my feedback. It, it worked. It helped them out. And then from then on, I was just working off referrals. They'd get a call or a text message, an email. Hey, you know, you helped me out last month. Can you help my friend? He needs a, or she needs help over here. And, and that's kind of how the ball got rolling and, and how I, yeah. And now that's what I do. Wow. That's pretty cool because, you know, I've been, been doing the entrepreneur game. Everyone knows for better part of 25 years, a bunch of companies, you know, some did okay. Some did horrible. And it was always, it always related to how well we could describe what we were doing and how confident and how clear, concise, and compelling the story was. I mean, it it didn't even really matter what we did. I mean, yeah, okay. It mattered a little bit, but even back like during the internet days, (laughs) the joke was if you had 14 slides in a PowerPoint deck and it said internet in it, here's a million bucks, go build it. I mean, it was that (laughs) silly because, you know, like people didn't really care what technology you had though. So, wow. So, um, man, there's just so much to unpack here. And and, and, and the reason 
again, I wanted to have you on was one, you had just such an awesome pitch. And two, I think this communications thing is the most important thing a founder entrepreneur can do. And so you mentioned that you helped coach them through their pitching and raising money. Can you tell us a little bit about how that process works? What are some of the things you've found that need help? And just kind of take us through the thought process because this is gold for a founder to really understand how to pitch. And it's funny because before we got on this call today, I was literally helping another friend of mine with his pitch deck (laughs) to raise money. So it's in my mind, like my mushy mind today. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm happy to. So I can, I can speak, you know, it's kind of interesting because when I started the, my only frame of context was tech. Like as you, as you mentioned in the Silicon Valley, right. That was my, my frame of, of reference. But then as I, you know, in parallel, I was, I was doing my professorship and performing research, learning more and more different applications. And also working now, I work with, with real estate and with uh, medical professionals and pharmaceuticals, et cetera. So I've, I've definitely broadened since then, but I think one of the core, one of the core, I would say, uh, learnings that I came to realize was that in the, in the tech space, many of the founders and, and entrepreneurs who are, who are pitching, they have their own mindset, their own, I guess you'd say, yeah, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think of the right words, but, but basically what they had was they, they approached it, uh, their through their vision of what their was lens. important yeah, what was valuable, right. right? What they thought was valuable, not the person receiving the communications. Exactly. So their, what they thought was most valuable to them, it was their own passion, right? That's what led them to start their own company in the first place. And the, the, usually it's like the quest for knowledge or to make something more efficient or to improve the process of something. And that's what they were, they're most interested in, right? And they, the assumption that doesn't really get, uh, I had to help tease apart is the assumption is that who I'm pitching to, they will see what I see and they will want to help me get there, right? And that's, they typically say, if I can showcase this to them, if I can just make them understand what this will lead to, then really that that'll help me take off. But what the, what the truth is, is that the person sitting on the other side of the table, they, ha- they might have a totally different set of values than you, right? And in fact, they often do, right? So the challenge is to, to map what you have created and, and where you want to go. You need to map that to be a value and to be important to them. So in order to do that, we need to know who they are, what they're interested in, what their portfolio looks like, or what type of... Um, companies they can add, they add most value to. And a number of other questions that we can kind of, we go through a process like a diagnostic. And then once we understand that, then we can package something that's more palatable for them. That's more interesting for them. That's something that they would like to be involved in because it helps them get value and achieve their goals as well as yours, right? So it's less about you and it's less about what you want. And it's more about how you can bring value to them via through your product, your service, your organization. That's what I would say. Mm, interesting. This is sort of like on the story side. Uh, when, you, when you do more story-driven marketing and sales and story, storytelling stuff, a lot of times people focus on like, oh, I'm the hero of the story. The company's the hero of the story, right? No, you're not the hero of the story. Your customer is the hero of the story. You're the mentor that's going to take them through their journey to enlightenment and discovery. and 
when when you when you have that mindset, I think this is exactly what you just said. It it changes the way you talk about it. And of course, people are going to say, oh, well, you know, you got to tell them what you do. Yeah. And then the passion will come through. Sure. But I used to have a friend that, that would say, uh, always tell the whole truth. And you're like, what does that mean? <laughs> you know, like, what, what do you mean the whole truth? Of course, I'm telling the whole truth. Well, no, not normally, because what you're saying may not be getting through and may be interpreted, just like what you said, interpreted a different way. So your truth and their truth may not be the same. Mm-hmm. And I, I had this problem in a bad way when I was doing engineering work because engineers are always focused on problems. Mm-hmm. No problem, no engineer, no job, right? Like, and there was always there's another one. Like if, if engineers aren't complaining, they're not happy. Like the anytime mm-hmm. you have a silent engineer, they're gonna quit. And so anytime I give a status update to management, which was you know, VP C level people, I'd only focus on problems. And they're like, Jari, it sounds like you're not doing anything. I'm like, what do you mean? I've solved all these problems. They're like, well, you didn't tell us that. You just <laughs> gave us the list of stuff that's wrong. And I'm all, oh, interesting. So I think the same thing. Like, how do you put yourself in somebody else's shoes? Is it, is it empathy? Is it compassion? Is it, what, what is, how do you do that? Because if you can crack this, wow, I think you've got, you're, you're, you're halfway there. Yeah, I think I think Dale Carnegie said it in his his book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. He said the the person who can simultaneously hold their own desires along with their counterparts' desires in mind at the same time will be most successful. Like that's that's the really the key. The problem is, as you mentioned, it takes a lot of practice. And unfortunately, as you and I both have learned, many people take communication for granted, right? Someone steps into a job first day, yeah, next week you're gonna give a presentation. Uh, okay, you know how to present, right? You've done it before. Oh yeah, yeah, sure. I'll just get up and talk through some slides and hope it sticks, right? And that's generally the tendency that people take it for granted. And then what ends up happening is you're kind of left on your own. And then it's how bad do you want it? Do you really, do you want to level up your skills or are you okay just presenting twice a year and hopefully no one asks you to do any more, right? So the key is when you're, you're speaking with someone else to put yourself in their shoes, oftentimes, well, often if you can get a trusted resource, like I'll, oftentimes that's where I come in because I, I offer that objective perspective and people know that I'm there to help them. Not not saying I don't care about what you're doing or what your interests are, but telling how, how to help you get your goals or reach your goals is by understanding and keeping in mind what the other person wants and what can we do to kind of align those those needs. So oftentimes if you have like a, a trusted resource or a confidant, that helps a lot. If you're on your own, the exercise would really be to kind of, you'd have to take some time and separate. There's no easy way to do it, but I recommend meditation helps sometimes people to oh. get your, get yourself. Yeah. To kind of just unwind hmm. and get yourself. Typically it's, it's, it's better first thing in the morning when you have a clear mind and full cognitive energy and think about what this person does and the person the people you want usually it's the decision maker at the table that you're looking to to persuade and if that's the case then you want to look at yeah what's interesting to them how do they how do they absorb best information is it headlines only or they like to get into the details what kind of details do they like to get into do they like numbers or graphs stats facts what, how can you bolster your pitch to them and customize it most effectively 
And you know, it's funny, I know I'm kind of going on a tangent here, but when you mentioned that that my pitch was was very effective to you, honestly, I, I don't have a I don't remember what I wrote because in that I, I you know, I, I I looked at you and I, I said, okay, I, I kind of had a, a preliminary kind of an outline of of you know who you are. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to, if I were him, this is what I'd want to hear. This is what I need to know to make a, an educated decision. And I put it down. And I typically go through that process every time I communicate with someone new because it's always a unique experience, right? The people yeah. always change. The want, the desire always changes, the end goal. So I'm always kind of fluctuating those pieces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm actually looking at your pitch right now. Would it be okay if I read it? <laughs> go ahead. Because so, and the reason why I want to do this is one, it's going to be in this new book I'm writing because crafting your perfect pitch by getting your story straight. Two, it has everything in it that will allow me to make a decision, right? And mm-hmm. and this this is what a lot of people don't understand. And and when you listen to it, just listen to it, like and think about how people that are listening think about how I am reading this. So here we go. Hi Jari, I'm a big fan of your podcast. I especially like how you bring actionable steps and insights to help entrepreneurs and evolving professionals. If you're interested in an expert in optimizing communications, i.e. messaging, pitching, team cohesiveness, personal development, I'd be happy to connect with you. I'm a professor of communications at a Canadian university, professional communications coach for various organizations and clients, and a published author of the forthcoming book, The Effective Presenter. Kind regards, Ryan Moore. Clear, concise, compelling, spot on. And you're on the show. (laughs) (laughs) And it worked. (laughs) And it worked. So this may or may not work for everyone, but I think you nailed for me personally, like, like this is why this is important. You gave me a little bit of praise and stroked my ego. Super important when you're trying to trying to pitch someone, right? You don't want to be a suck up, but you got to at least know that, Hey, you know a little bit about the show. I mean, if you didn't ever listen to the show, you'd never hear, you'd never know about the actionable steps. That's a big, that's like for me, ah, you, you actually listened, right? Mm-hmm. And then you go through my credentials. If in the, in the AIDA format, right, you got my attention, I've got interest, I've desire, and the action simple, let's book the show, right? Mm-hmm. That was it. 82 words. <laughs> well, I, now that you, now that I've, <laughs> now that I've been refreshed, I can, and we're using this as an exemplar to as a yeah. teaching tool. Yeah, teaching uh, tool. One thing that I yeah, if I were marking myself, one thing that I that I did really well there was I said if you're interested. So I'm I'm using the you perspective, right? right? And and that's how I phrased it. So it's it's like I'm giving you deference at the same time because I know you're the decision maker. Right. Um, and it's just if you're interested in having someone who does A, B, and C, you know, then this is who I am, right? So if I were to come out and say I'm a professor, I'm this, I'm that. It, it typically, sometimes it doesn't land as, I guess you'd say optimally. It doesn't land as best as it could because no. at that point, it's just, I'm telling you who I am. It, I'm not really saying anything about you or the show or, and people are more receptive once you demonstrate an understanding of them and you demonstrate to them that they're important, right? Yeah. Well, I think that's also for any pitch, this is what I was teaching as well. Any pitch has to have some personality to it. You have to know, excuse me, who you're pitching. So, you know, taking the five minutes to look up some things, listen to some stuff, read some of their stuff. Yeah, it takes a long time. But the kind of pitching we're talking about is not a newsletter spam blast from th- with a thousand people on it. We're talking, you know, 
a cohort of pitch, like people you want to pitch anywhere from 10 to 30 at the most, right? Because that's mm-hmm. the that's the level of cohort that requ- is going to be required to figure out is your pitch effective or not, right? If you just blast it out to 500 people, you don't know, like your shot on goal is one, right? You're like, ah, oh, like yeah. I could have just missed the mark, right? Um, but what's interesting about like on a platform like matchmaker.fm, which again is is where I get all my guests, and it's a great, great platform for that. The thing that a lot of people do on Matchmaker is they put everything in this little tiny window that's just <laughs> this. I mean, because they have an app and then they've got it on, on, on the web, right? And if I have to scroll, even for email, like that's not good because it's lost in the world. And so what people will do is they'll take their profile, they'll cut and paste it and stick it in the message. And you're like, mm-hmm. well, I could just go read your profile. And that's another like tool. So so the, the the step process is, okay, good pitch. I checked your profile. Okay, looks like a good guy. This is relevant. I'm interested in it. That's important. Let's mm-hmm. set something up. Simple. There's not a lot of fluff in that. I mean, you read. I mean, I just read that. That's not. That's that's really pithy, right? Pith, well, it's really concise. <laughs> and and, and yeah. I, I'm and I'm just curious. So I know a lot of tech people, they always get hung up on explaining what they do. Mm -hmm. They will spend 25 billion slides explaining some stupid technology that no one cares about. And they will completely, you know, how do you break that habit? How how do you, how do you work with them? Because usually it's with me and what I've seen is like, it's just what they're comfortable with. Yeah, um, I, I have. A, yeah, I can. I can have a story, actually, an experience I can share on that in a moment. But just, just so I, I had talking about actionable, actionable steps, and you uh, praising my writing. Thank you very much for being concise. Uh, one practical step that folks can use, and I encourage my students or the sometimes when I'm doing training with um, interns and entry level folks, I kind. I really encourage you to when once you write something to read it again and say, what can I remove while keeping the meaning, while maintaining the meaning, Because like you said, at the end of the day, people's time is valuable and they don't have time to scroll down and continue reading all of your accolades, you know, and, and honestly, like you got second prize in a grade seven contest or something like you don't need to include everything in there. Right. So you need to include two or three key points and then you move on. But um, going back to the or to your most recent question about the folks who overload their slides and who want to explain everything, yeah, I have this all the time. I was working with a company recently that it was really stressful because they were just very reluctant to to budge from sharing all of their progress, right? And it's really it's their life's work, like it's their baby, and I I get it, and I think that's why I'm I'm able to resonate with, with folks because, like, I understand the meaning and the value, and I definitely don't want them to to sacrifice that or to feel like they're sacrificing it because they they want to be true to themselves and they want to take pride in what they've done. So oftentimes I, I usually um, have a an approach, one or a different approaches, but one of them that I share is, okay, um, you know, all of this valuable information is is fantastic. It's really cutting edge. It's groundbreaking. But we only have ten minutes, or we only have twelve minutes, right? And we need to make them count. So if we go, if we speak about something 
that they're not interested in. There's a chance we lose them and we don't get them back. So we need to make sure we choose content that they're interested in and that will be important to them, right? And then typically what we do, well, not always, but typically, we would add addendum slides or appendix slides. And and any if if the in the case that the uh, investor would like to learn more about a particular component, how does it work or how will that marketing unfold or what about the overseas markets? Anything that you have previously thought of, then you can simply say, "Oh, that's a great point. You know, we am happy to address your questions and then you can go to that slide and you have it there kind of in your back pocket, so to speak." But uh, that that's the best way to be prepared to be concise and it's really signaling to the investor that you have you care. You're prepared, you're professional. And you care enough to have thought it through and packaged the most meaningful points for them. And then usually if they're asking you a question afterwards at that point, they're kind of testing you because at that point they know whether or not they want a follow-up meeting or not. So if they ask you and you have an appendix slide, you're ready and you address it, perfect. And and, uh, another thing is uh, that some new founders will will learn that uh, no one's going to, very rarely do they they write you a check on on the spot, right? Uh, What a win looks like in a pitch is a win looks like a follow-up meeting. That's what you're looking for, right? And that's success. So yeah, just try to manage your own expectations. Don't don't get too hard on yourself and, and know what the target is. Yeah, I always say your whole job's get the next meeting. Exactly. That's it. Or if you're writing an email or a you know matchmaker pitch or a link LinkedIn, like I could rant all day about how poor LinkedIn pitches are. They're like, I don't know why. What I mean, maybe it's the same as people that do the matchmaker pitches. They're horrible, and it's all this context thing, like you talked about. Like you don't don't overwhelm the person with so much information that they're going to get lost in the noise of it all. Mm-hmm. I love you. I love your point about appendix slides because I I'm a big fan of appendix slides. And I also am a big fan of uh, talk tracks. So when I did this, this, you know, crafting your perfect pitch webinar, which was last week, you know, I wrote this talk track and I like talked my way through it. And one of the other things I'm really passionate, well, passionate about what I tell people about that are really passionate about what they talk about is say it out loud because it's so fascinating when someone says it out loud, they're like, Oh, that, that sounds stupid. And you're like, uh, yeah. <laughs> You know, like, duh. Oh, I should change that. They catch it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, but, but your point about like losing them, like this webinar, the first half of the webinar, I was just crushing it. Like, ah, everyone's happy. This is all going great. And then the transition to the next step and it just fell flat. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. what is going on? And my friend who, 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 who was helping me, my friend, Troy, he's just like, well, you switched it up. You went from a basic kind of 101 material to like a 201 material where you're talking about numbers and this and that. And it it was a rough transition. Mm. And so I'm curious about when you talk with like people presenting, how do you manage transitions? Because that is also an important part about how you tell the story. And I'm just curious, transitions are always seem to be a big problem for people. Yeah. So in the midst of a presentation, I can speak a little bit to this in the midst of a a presentation, if you're going to be shifting gears and you're going to be transitioning, it's always advantageous to forecast them to your audience. So typically I do it at the, I encourage folks to do it at the beginning. So in the introduction, right after you get the hook, their attention, you kind of give them a roadmap of what you're going to be talking about. 
And, and of course, if you have slides, it'd be like an agenda slide or something like that at the, at the beginning, but then you'd remind them, uh, at each transition, right? So, yeah. so we finished talking about this and the key points and the key takeaways are, are this, this is what we need to know. It's most important. And next I'm going to shift into this. All right. Does anyone have any questions before I go any further? And usually folks are like, no, no, we're good. Okay. So to, to start with this next point, we're going to start here. And that's, sorry, that's what my process. I think I'll, I, I, no, 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 I, I, I screwed that up, to be honest. I did not have what you just said. I didn't have a solid agenda slide and I didn't have a good transition. It was just too abrupt. And now mm-hmm. that I, even when I, I mean, I, I, I said this thing out loud like three times and I just, it, it was lost. Right. And so this is, no, this is, this is great. I like, I like that thought process. Um, how often should you do that? So you, you definitely want to give a, an overview or a roadmap, I call it at the beginning. And then throughout, depending on the length and the, uh, the complexity of your presentation, if you're talking about really deep tech stuff in the weeds with a number of engineers, for example, then yeah, you're going to want to, you know, really reiterate to them the main points for each section and then move on. But, but generally this is where putting yourself in the other person's shoes come in. So in the, your, your audience members, you want them to do as little work as possible. So you letting them know, hey, we're going to make a left turn up here, and then you making a left turn. They're prepared for it. They're you know they got their they're holding onto the bar. They're bracing. Them, they're ready for the turn. Right. If you don't do that, if you just make a left turn, they're like, what's going on, right? And then they're wondering what's going on. And when they're wondering, they're not listening to you. And their minds, they're thinking, did we just change topic? No, we did change topic. Well, how did that end though? What's the main point there? Right. And they're thinking of all this at the same time as you're still delivering. So then there's a chance that they might not catch back on because they might say, okay, screw it. I'll wait till the next, you know, check-in. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I did not do that. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, partly in my defense um, was because I was putting two things together that I normally don't put together. Um, And that's where I'm, I kind of missed, it was this disconnect and it was like, the first part of it was like, okay, we're going to, we're going to get your story straight. We're going to craft a big idea. We're going to, we're going to like, this is what you're talking about, which again, I've done, I've done so many times. I know like the, the rhythm, I know like it's where very well established, right? People mm-hmm. love that. Like, oh, we should do this more. Right. And then when I said, okay, now we're going to switch to like building the pitch. Okay. It started out. Okay. But then I got in the weeds to a point where I'm like, ah. I could even feel it when I was talking. I'm like, oh, this is too much. Like mm-hmm. my, even my friend choice is like, yeah, people, you could, I was looking at them. You could tell their eyes were like, huh, what, what, <laughs> you know, anytime <laughs> I talk about math and stuff is like, okay, that's a little bit too much. Um, not to say people don't understand the math of it, but like there was context for it. And I didn't do what you did. I didn't do what you said. I didn't set it up to transition. Like, Hey, we're going to talk about some heavy stuff now. Like this may be complicated, and when if I when I ever do this again, which I probably will, a lot of that I'm going to remove, and I'm just going to make the transition a little more slippery. Yeah, yeah. So so folks have everyone has a, a limit, a finite amount of cognitive energy, and when you're when you're delivering a presentation to them, really, what you like I said, you're making them work. I say making them work. You're making them spend their energy, and inside everyone has their own uh, weighting scale is this worth my energy or not? That's why people mind wander, right? That's why they get bored. This is take costing too much and I'm not getting enough value out of it. 
And it's not to say that your information is not valuable, but for someone to interpret it and to really digest it and process it, it might be taxing for them, right? And so the, the, everyone has their own kind of switch and everyone's different depending on you know a number of factors. But uh, but another thing that you can do in that situation is I would, the language I would use is, yeah, okay, so I'm transitioning to the next section of, of my presentation today. And just so you know, it's going to be it's a little bit thick. It's a little bit on the dense side. And I know everyone here can handle it. Uh, but typically in the past, some folks get a little bit uh, lost at this point. So please, if I'm going too fast or anything, just raise your hand, say, Ryan, slow down. And I'm, not, I'm happy to slow down, right? And then that usually warms them up to be more engaged. Kind of the pre-flight. <laughs> Yeah, you gotta and you gotta use that language. Folks usually get at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's so funny because I was taking this uh, SMB sales training. Uh, A friend of mine, uh, Dalton, who who was doing it, I met him. I met him through this thing called uh, power writing class. I did, you know. So I'm always I talk about this all the time. Like sales to me is just like it's the S word, and I'm like, ah, freaked out. (laughs) Well, so he's. He's talking like, so I'm trying to learn a little bit about this so that I don't such a knucklehead about it, but it was the same kind of mentality and attitude when it came to a presentation as it was a sales call. Like your, your point of, Hey, I'm, I'm transitioning now. Are, are we clear on what's going on? And the, what you said about, uh, and, and sometimes this is where people get stuck Mm-hmm. was the exact words that he that he used but he said it like well usually you know people will take will take one of these packages so i'm not, i don't understand what the disconnect is or you know th- it, it was this <sighs> lubricant for lack of a better word <laughs> like to, mm. and you know but, but it was the same exactly what you said is what he said and what's interesting is cuz p- pitch to an investor or whatever sales pitch is similar different audience, right? But are there any like any other things that are similar to that that people could be like cuz cuz one of the other things that entrepreneurs have a problem with, especially tech entrepreneurs, excuse me, is selling. And the rule, this is my rule, a lot of people say this rule too. The first salesperson is the founder. If the founder can't sell it, no one can. Even if they're not a salesperson. So what, what are, are there any skills that translate between the VC pitch and a sales pitch or just general kind of presentation? Yeah. So uh, there's, there's a couple, and I, it's kind of funny. I'm not, I didn't mean to, to pump my book, but I, I outline it in my book. There's a, I have the complete formula. Oh, cool. I, it's copyrighted. Yeah. The, f- the formula of how to maximize, give you the best shot of success. Awesome. It moves the needle most in your favor. And one of the things that never changes, well, there, there's really two or three things, the, the base of the foundation that never changes. And number one is what does a win look like? What is your desired outcome? Uh-huh. Right. Are, are, do you want to close the deal here or is it okay to have a follow-up later if you're in sales? Right. Um, if you're doing a quarterly update, right, you're not selling anything, but you need to make sure that all of your constituents or everyone that's present is apprised of the information you're sharing, right? Presumably they need it to operate most effectively in their role and perform better, right? Or to go forward with that knowledge. So there's always there, there's always a desired outcome. There's always a goal. And you need to know what does that win look like, right? 
And then typically I go on to say there, there's tiers, right? Because one of the bare minimums is you want to come off as prepared and professional, right? No matter, no matter what, right? Even if you, if you don't get the sale or you don't, you know, close the deal, you want them to leave thinking that, yeah, that, you know, I, I'd work with them again, or I, I'd like to have them back. Right. I can't tell right. you how many, can't tell you how many founders I've worked with that have pitched, not been successful. Three weeks later, they get an email from someone else that, you know, that investor spoke to another VC and the other VC said, you know what? Yeah, I'm in that space. I can help them more. Let me talk to them. Right. Oh, totally. That's, that's just like that whole word of mouth thing. Yeah. It, it, it I'm glad you brought that up. Because no matter the answer, the way you present yourself in a professional manner that know what you're doing, you're, you're helpful. I always like to say, because again, to me, sales is an S word. <laughs> I just like to be helpful. Mm-hmm. And so if I could be helpful, eventually, and I, you know, of course, I've got varying degrees of success with, with this. This is the reason why I'm trying to learn more about sales. If I'm helpful, then yeah, someone will be like, hey, you should talk to Jari about storytelling. Hey, oh yeah, connect with him. He'll help you out. Or hey, read his book, like with you. Like, you mm-hmm. know, I can't wait for your book to come out because this is like, yeah, I'm going to read Ryan's book. What a great, what a great fountain of wisdom for all these things that are just one or things that I already know internally, but two, like there's a lot, been a lot of great surprises of wow, mm-hmm. boy, this is going to be really cool to understand because this is the single most important thing an entrepreneur can do communicate what they do in a clear, concise, and compelling way. No matter what it is, no matter what the audience is, even if you're on a Yahoo on Twitter, <laughs> you, need to, you know, you need to, you know what I mean? Or on yeah. like, let's say you're being interviewed on a, on the awesome entrepreneur eat those podcasts, right? Like you want to come across right as, huh? Cause see every communication point, every touch point in the world is a way for you to showcase who you are. And the only way you do that is either you write or people hear you. Yeah. And, and yeah, to, to build on that, I cannot tell you. So one of my, my close friends is uh, very successful. He's a serial entrepreneur, but he never boasts about it because he's one of the most humble gentlemen I've ever met in my life. He's a, he has told me from since the beginning that, you know, for every 300 startups, there are, in you know the us one will make it let's say right so there's just so many that fall flat they don't make it out of beta or whatever for whatever reason they fall apart right and when i dug into the research a large part of that is because it's not a lack of intelligence it's not a lack of passion it's not even a lack of productivity the problem is folks can't communicate what they've done or why other people should care, right? Why it should matter. That's the problem. And, and it, it really is. I tell people communication is a superpower you give yourself. Yeah. If you can communicate better, if you can be, I call it uh, communicatively flexible, if you can communicate with various people in various circumstances and achieve desired outcomes in different uh, scenarios then you, there, there's no stopping you. Like you could really do whatever you want. You'll never be out of work again. And you'll never have, you know, you'll be able to achieve your success. You just got to set your compass to it, whatever you want. That's the key. But unfortunately it, it, it's frightening for some folks. It's, yeah. It's, you know, some folks it's avoid scary. it. Yeah. It's not it's scary. Not easy. No, no. It's, it's like any kind of superpower muscle. It's like writing. Like another one that's really funny is that a lot of tech folk, can't write very well or 
oh, I don't know how to copyright or, oh, you know, they throw out some, I mean, it's usually garbage stuff. And that's why they're like, oh, I'll go like sign up for Jarvis.ai and I'll have them write all my copy for me. <laughs> the robot, right? And yeah. I'm like, yeah, well, garbage in equals garbage out, bro. Cause like you got to drive the robot. And if you don't know what you're doing, mm-hmm. you're, you're in a bad spot. Like it's going to, it's like, it's like the whole thing about, yeah, we optimize the machine to make paper clips. And now paper clips is the only thing it makes with all the resources in the world. Like careful what you wish for. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I agree in this, this, you know, three, uh, one out of 300 number, you know, the one, the numbers I've seen is one out of a hundred, you know, 1%, whatever, you know, so we're in the ballpark, but yeah, it's never the technology. It, the other thing it usually is, is founders are fighting mm-hmm. or don't want to go a different direction. That's usually a communication problem. <laughs> just going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> it all stems from, First off, you got to buy Ryan's book and read it, right? Second <laughs> off, you, you got to then, once mine comes out, then you get, so you can craft your perfect pitch. You can actually see Ryan's pitch in the book, um, just being a little facetious. And then, yeah, practice. I, I, I mean, what, what do you, how do you, what do you recommend people do when it comes to practicing? Because, I, I, you know, let's say that they work with you, they got their deck done, whatever. Okay, like, look, you got a roadmap. What's the, like the presentation of matters, of course, the cadence and the, you know, the pause mm-hmm. and the ums and the nods or whatever. How do you go through that process? How often should people practice? Like, what are some of the criteria for that? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and it's so, it's so important. It, like rehearsals and the, you know, improving, leveling up your delivery is one of, one of the key components that people it's the first to get sacrificed. It's like, like leg day at the gym. People are just like, ah, I could skip that. <laughs> you know, are you one of those bros that doesn't do leg day? <laughs> are you one of those memes I always see on Instagram? <laughs> yeah, no, not myself, but, but, listen, but I'm aware. Yeah, out of the bag, man. Out of the bag, bro. It's okay. It's okay to do preacher <laughs> curls. Just like, don't, you probably don't do cardio either. <laughs> Okay, what I do or don't do is a subject for another day. <laughs> okay, that's great. That's awesome, man. Yeah, yeah. But no, it's, it's so true though. People, like, they just sacrifice it. They just say, oh, you know what, Ryan, just build me a deck and I'll be able to deliver it. And when I first started out, it was a time crunch and a couple of startups said that. They're like, you know, build me a deck and I'll, I'll deliver it, right? And then I did, and they like, well, what's this? I said, well, it's, it's your deck, right? And they're like, well, where's where's the text? Like, I need to explain this. I'm like, okay, well, the research says if you have more than five bullet, six bullet points tops on a, the, the, they're not going to read any of them. So oh, wow. m- more than six equals useless, right? Because uh, you're asking them to, like six is the amount of the the amount of objects that the human eye can detect independently at a glance using minimal cognitive energy. As soon as you go to seven, then the mind shifts into counting mode and uh, it's too much for me. Okay, next I'll, I'll wait, I'll tune into the next one. Right. So there, there's, there's, there's research behind, right. There's method to the, to the seeming madness, but, but what happens was, yeah, when I'm, when I'm working with some of these folks, it takes, it's challenging to, to get them to, you know, they need the the actual delivery coaching and the presence to be there because when they're building, when they just want the slides, it's usually ineffective because they're, they're used to talking through their slides. That's what they're used to doing is the slides of the presentation. And I'm just the, the commentary, right? And I just, but no, it's, it's, it's total reverse, right? You are the presentation. 
The slides are just there to help you convey your meaning, you know, more visually. They're, that's what they're called, visual aids. They're supposed to aid you, who's the speaker, who's right. delivering it. Right. So when it, it really depends on, to, in order to, to help folks, it depends on, I, I spend some time diagnosing where they're struggling. If it's a, an anxiety issue, which sometimes it is, public speaking anxiety, we call it glossophobia, oftentimes, you know, there's a number of practices you can do. And actually virtual reality has, has come a long way. You can actually put virtual reality on program, how many people you want to see, and you can practice delivering it, going to the space, the location ahead of time, going through a couple runs there helps too. Like there's, there's different strategies for, for different components, but overall, I say the easiest thing that people can do that has the, the biggest impact is like mental rehearsals. So when you're lying in bed at night, before you go to sleep, just close your eyes and think about how am I going to say this? Then what am I going to say next? How would I explain this? It will help you iron out your word choice and the language you use to encode your message to, to present. And it'll also, it develops muscle memory, like uh, we call it automaticity, so that when you're delivering, you're, there's less hesitation sounds. It comes out more confidently. You speak with conviction and it's more powerful, right? So all of those benefits just from simply closing your eyes and running it through in your mind. Yeah. It's, it's like what they do with like when they run missions for special ops, they call it like dirt dives where they'll like, honestly, they'll like go through it in their head. Um, and it's really powerful that way, even though of course they're not on the op or whatever, but I felt, like I said before, I find writing it all down in like a talk track and then reading the talk track and then out loud think about oh, that doesn't sound good like that doesn't mm. or that doesn't sound like me right because i think especially when it's verbal the way it comes across is different than when you read it um i remember i was listening to a podcast with sam harris you know the, the famous sam harris not not my other friend sam harris that runs reason but the, the other famous sam harris and he was talking to someone about reading his own books. And he's like, I can't do it. And they're like, what do you mean? He's like, ah, I, what I write and how I say it was totally different. It sounded completely different. Mm -hmm. Really? Like you've written so many books. Okay. So yeah, I can't do it. I just, someone else do it. I can't. Cause he's like, when he did it, he had to actually rewrite a lot of it. Cause it didn't make sense when he said it, mm -hmm. you know? So Mm -hmm. So the power of that, I think I, I love, I love the thought process. I, I usually like to call it the thought experiment or the mental exercise, the walk through the dirt dive, like, okay, and go through this. Even if you, I like, I sometimes will just mumble. <laughs> it looks weird. Mm -hmm. Like I'm some crazy guy, but I'll like mumble it. Like, nah, 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 nah. ah, that does, you know, like, ah, that, you know, like, think, think I'm some sort of weirdo. Mm -hmm. um, but you're right. I, I love that fact because the more practice you get at it, the better. I mean, I always say the reason I do this podcast is to practice networking and public speaking because, you know, it's something that like during COVID I couldn't do very much, but I'm just not that good at it and I needed to practice. So cool. So how, so do, do you, um, do you recommend that they present it to the team as well to sort of how they feel about it? Cause I've also found that that seemed to be pretty instructive? Um, it depends on the context. Sometimes that's, you know, if you're presenting on behalf of the team or if you're representing, it's a, it's a viable option, I would say. But, uh, but overall, there's a number of other like strategies and techniques you can do to 
kind of enhance your your own delivery of it. One thing that another thing that that folks can do at home if they're they're you know people say like practice in front of a mirror and do those types of things, which is basically the same thing, right? You're you're doing the run throughs, but one of the things I do is I periodically stop and I ask myself, are there better words to express this? Am I using the best word choice there right now? And that helps me fine tune that, right? And what are there, is there an analogy? Is there a metaphor that I can incorporate that will help them to understand? This works like that, right? The an analogy, like I, I ended up when I was explaining to some of the startup companies that I referenced earlier years ago, who I built a pitch deck for, they, you know, the next meeting, they, they were not successful in their pitches. And we had a meeting afterwards. And they said, you know, they said, Ryan, like, well, like, what's going on? What happened? You know, I said, well, I wasn't able to do any training with you, unfortunately. So I said, I basically built you an airplane and to, to go and you drove it like a bus. Right. And th- that's, that's the problem. And it was slower than a car that you're used to because I didn't have the time to teach you how to operate the airplane, the jet. Right. And when I explained it like that, they're like, oh, okay. And you could see it was like the light bulb went on. Like I see now because the, there was a script and there was there, a loose script and there were like key points to emphasize. And, and like you said, the, the intonation was there, but it just, that, that didn't come through because they're missing that piece of the puzzle, right? So when you're rehearsing, anyone out there who's listening, if you have an upcoming presentation and it's important to you, it's high stakes, okay. Mental reps as many mental reps as, as, as you can. Another thing you want to do is structuring. So make sure that you have a logical structure. It's organized either chronologically or by location or by uh, category, but you want to have make sure that it's organized. Well, you want to have an effective introduction with a hook, a roadmap, explain your purpose, right? Hopefully after my presentation today, you'll have a better idea of, or hopefully you'll see the value of, right? You want to let the audience know where you're going so that there's more likely a better chance that they'll buy in and they'll be with you. They'll support you. And then at the end, you want to reiterate your message and you want to close by, you know, an ask, or, you know, even if it's something small, asking them to do it. The research shows if people do something small for you now, they're more likely to do something larger tomorrow. So you want to close with an ask as well. Sorry. I know I, I kind of went on. Tangent. No, no, that's great. That's great. No, I love, I love the, you know, again, but similar to sales, like the thing, I, the sales training I took last night, it, it, so fascinating. I could talk with you all day about this, but uh, we got to we got to get going. So mm-hmm. Ryan, uh, just so thank you so much for your great pitch. Glad we could <laughs> connect up. Looking forward to reading your book. I'll make sure I put links to, to in the show notes to the book. Um, your I'll also put links to the your um, your consulting firm and you know all that sort of stuff. And uh, wow, just been been a true pleasure. Stay safe and warm up there in uh, Canada (laughs) and uh, uh, we'll keep in touch. Yeah. Thank you very much for having me on and yeah. Happy to come back whenever you'd like. I I hope your listeners get some value out of this and yeah, it was a blast. Thanks Ryan for being on the show and all the valuable insights. I mean, yeah, what a great, fantastic interview and again, awesome pitch. (laughs) So this is what happens when you know how to pitch. Well, you get on great shows like mine. Eh, kidding. Well, sort of, not really. Anyway, as promised, uh, here are the actionable insights that I learned from my interview with Ryan. One of the most important things to do when preparing a presentation is to think about your audience. Ask questions like, what are their values and interests? What are they interested in knowing more about? 
do your research and also try to put yourself in their shoes. And I think this is a really powerful one because you got to kind of step out of what you think is important and focus on what your audience thinks important. And hopefully they, they come together in the Venn diagram. But if not, then, you know, you got to rethink it. But make sure you always have the audience in mind. Figure out what you want your outcome to be. Do you want investors to ask for that second meeting? Do you want people in your company to better understand the concept? This will help guide your organization of the ideas in your presentation, right? I think you always kind of want to have an end game. Um, and I, I, I do this all the time. I try to kind of like figure out what I want that call to action to be at the end or, you know, like kind of a roadmap through the presentation, uh, which is the next one. Use devices like introductions, providing roadmaps, and talking through transitions to diminish how much effort listeners have to put into it. Listeners have limited capacity to absorb information, so you want to make it as easy as possible. Be sure to check in and assure people that some of the content may be harder to grasp as they get the message that they might need to pay closer attention. And we talked a lot about this on the show because when I did my Crafting Your Perfect Pitch webinar, I kind of messed this up. I, I made a pretty hard transition um, that kind of lost people in one sense. Um, and I, of course, learned from that. But yeah, I think these guideposts or mile markers are like, hey, you know, what does everyone think? You sort of condition people to kind of be like, okay, we're heading for a little bit more of a different concept. So really, really great um, advice. Don't rely on your presentation slides. Use them as aids. Limit how much you text you actually put on one slide. Um, Guy Kawasaki has got some great rules on that, and I'll dig it up, his rules, and throw it in the show notes. But yeah, I mean, slides are not should not be used as a crutch. They're a visual aid. You should be able to talk through your presentation without slides. I mean, that's just bottom line. So figure out if you're using your slides as a crutch. I also recommend doing talk tracks which literally like each slide, what you're going to say. And as you write that down, you refine it really super powerful. I mean, all my show notes, right? Alyssa does all my show notes. I'm reading the show notes right now. So um, always good to have that kind of thing. Uh, next up is practice, practice, practice. Ryan also recommends mentally rehearsing your talk and going back over it to see if there are words that can be cut out or that may be confusing. And this is absolutely critical. You can't wing a presentation, especially one that you want to convince or persuade people. And it shows, especially if you talk right off the slide. So do the talk track, read through it, practice. I mean, this is the same thing with, you know, salespeople as an example, like they have to practice their sales pitch. And the more you practice, the better you get at it. And it seems a little odd and you'll get sick of it. You'll be like, God, I said this thing a thousand times. But the more you say it, the more it's going to internalize. And then the more you don't have to look actually look at the notes. So there you have it, the actionable insights that I learned from Ryan. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learned something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better, as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits, 
values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur and, frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at The Daily MBA and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about on this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com